College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 34 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1Baseball.com podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. This evening's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth levels all the way to the pros. I am joined by my esteemed colleagues, Kendall J. Rogers, Joseph J. Healy, Aaron J. Fitt. Gentlemen, happy Monday evening. I believe it's Monday. I did take a red-eye flight <laughs> this week. I don't even know what planet I'm on. How are we doing? We're, we're doing well. Runes, I've always wondered. This is like this is something I've just always pondered. Like, what is your equation to come up with the, like the time that we're going to talk? Like, is it like a special formula? It's it's uh it's hashtag wishful thinking. Like, I really okay. want the podcast to be 34 minutes tonight. Uh, tribute to Charles Barkley. I don't know if we can do it, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just I used to try and nail the number, but now I'm just trying to talk yeah. the number into the universe. Well, I was just glad you didn't say like the... we're talking about 34s. Ooh, yeah, go Cougs. Yep. I was just glad you didn't say like the 98 minutes of heaven or something. Ooh, that would have been bad. <laughs> Although, Kendall, I do like that you dropped the word pondered on us right out of the shoot, like really yeah. setting a nice tone for the podcast. Yeah, I'm such a wordsmith. You are a wordsmith. Well done. Boys, how we doing? How how how's how's uh how we how we feeling? <clears throat> we're we're doing well. Uh you know, one thing we learned over the weekend that LSU is decent. <laughs> that we like. So that's my analysis for tonight. You don't say. Thank you. Hashtag scouting. Yeah. I know we all. Fitz... You... Well, no, go ahead. I was going to say, Fitzy, how do you, in our chat, one of my favorite things mm-hmm. about being on the team at D1 Baseball is our chats. And uh, I put in our chat that I think Boston College is tougher than a Westchester cracker or a Westminster oh, cracker. Bruce, Whoa. listen, two weeks in a row. Last yeah. week we had Kendall with the Worcester crackers. Now we got you with the Westchester crackers. You got it right in the chat, and then you blew it when we're on the air. This is such a disgrace. You didn't, you well, didn't come at me. The other thing is – Oh, go ahead, Kendall. Well, no, the other thing is, do we want to brag about a cracker that's, that's like, indestructible? Like, I kind of feel like – That was my point. I was, I was dying for Fitzy to come at me about the Westminster crackers not being <laughs> tough because that's not a good quality for a cracker. Good point. It's, but, you know what? The great thing about the Westminster crackers is uh, they, they melt in the appropriate amount of time in the chowder. They don't crumble right away. You know, yes. they hang on for a little while. Well, I think BC, let's see if they've got more staying power, though. I, I yeah. think B, BC, guys, here, here's my, my, my big takeaway, not to just derail the show and take charge right it, out of the game, but like, yes. Right now, five weeks into the season, the biggest stories, in my opinion, are Boston College, Missouri, and Kentucky. Three teams yeah. that just came out of nowhere. Like, BC was picked by everybody, including us, to finish last in the ACC. And Missouri and Kentucky were like a coin toss for last in everybody's SEC picks. Um, and those three teams are all in the top 25 after week five. Like, who saw that coming? Well, you know, Joe Healy, when we talked about him joining D1 Baseball, he actually told me that. Said he had Boston College, Kentucky, Missouri all being in the top 25. That's true. Nailed it, Joe. No, that's, that's 100% right. Yeah, that's, that's – No, in, in all seriousness – Interview In tag. all seriousness, though um, – you know, the thing about Missouri guys is, you know, I saw them opening weekend at Globe Life, and, and I really like their club. I mean, I, I don't know if they have staying power from an offensive perspective. I, I still think they're kind of light offensively, and you know, they might lose Newbeck, one of their one of their key, you know, arms, you know, for the season. 
But, you know, for the most part, they've got some really nice pieces. You know, David Seifer really liked Chandler Murphy coming this season. He was electric at, at Globe Live. Zach Franklin gives them a powerful option in the bullpen. They've got, you know, other options out there, uh, you know, from a pitching standpoint. So, like, Missouri, from a pitching standpoint, might actually have staying power. I think, you know, West Virginia is another team for me mm. that uh, really stands out. You know, I thought coming into the season, if you looked at their arms, you would have looked at like Carlson Reed and, and Aiden Major and guys like that as as arms you, you know, kind of pinpointed. But like Blaine Traxel has been really good for him. Ben Hampton's been really solid. And JJ Weatherhold is like one of like 30 guys right now that's hitting like over 440 for the season around the country. So yeah, there's been some big surprises for sure. Joe, can I pose an SEC question for you along these uh the so here's my question. Here's the thought that's going through my head. Are Missouri and Kentucky significantly better than we thought? Or is the middle of the SEC not quite – and now, again, ten, I'm not saying Tennessee is part of the middle of the SEC, but is the non-LSU SEC maybe not quite as good as we thought or somewhere in the middle? I'll go with the cop-out answer of somewhere in the middle, and I don't, I don't think it's so much maybe that the middle of the SEC is not as good as we, we thought. I just don't think maybe the bottom is as far – down yeah. as we thought right i mean yeah. and i see kentucky and missouri kind of differently not just because of the opponent i mean mississippi state's a mess right now that doesn't mean they're going to be a mess in may doesn't mean they're going to be a mess a week from now right now they are though so i think kentucky just is the exact wrong team for mississippi state to run into when they're having these issues it's an older lineup they're going to take their walks they're going to let mississippi state make some errors they're good athletes so they're going to run the bases and force them to throw them out on the bases and mississippi state can't do that right now they can't throw guys out so they were just a, a bad a bad matchup fun fact out of that um mississippi state has 13 pass balls already this season last year they mm. had three wow um mm. so now and we understand some of those might have actually been wild pitches i get it but that number is pretty stark so yeah um so i see kentucky's being a little different than missouri i think kentucky up and down the roster do they have like crazy star power no not really but it's a really good roster like one to 35 basically Missouri's a little different they're high-end guys can play with anybody on the offense it's Luke Mann it's Trevor Austin it's Hank Zeisler on the pitching staff it's it's Newbeck it's Maltrude it's Chandler Murphy um, I'm missing some Franklin the depth is the question though and that's kind of where I, I start to have questions with Missouri is if Newbeck's down for any period of time they've already lost Sam yeah. Horn the the two-sport athlete who's probably the best arm on the pitching staff um you know, they've Ian Losey was hurt for a lot of the year. He's a key guy for them. He's back now, but is working his way back. So they, they, they've already had some nicks and cuts, if you will, on the team, and they just can't afford to have a lot of that. So right now, I, I like what I see. But if you made me pick Kentucky or Missouri, I think I like Kentucky for a little more, a little more staying power. Yeah. Are you surprised by, I'm sorry, Ruth, but I mean, um, you know, we talked to heading the year about like Darren Williams being a big key piece and coming back from um, the elbow surgery he had, right? Like, I don't think it was full Tommy John maybe, but like he, he's right. been great for them like quickly. I, yeah. I mean, their, their quality of their pitching, I guess, is the thing I've been the most surprised with. I mean, that like the fact that they were relying on him is like a really key piece in the season. That scared me coming off, you know, surgery. And he's been great. And, you know, Zach Lee and, and Tyler Bozeman, I mean, those guys have been really good. Yeah, it feels like they've got on the mound. That feels like real talent. That's not smoke and mirrors. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think offensively, this is not, I don't mean this as a dig necessarily, but on the offense, they're they're plucky, right? They don't have a lot of physicality. And, and I still, 
I'm still fascinated by the idea of, of what they'll do if they have to play from behind. Kentucky's been playing from in front a lot. And don't get me wrong, that's a skill. <laughs> that's the best way to play baseball games is from in front. Um, but when they get behind, they're not the most physical offense. How are they going? Will they be able to chase four or five runs in a game? That that kind of in because that will happen in SEC play. So what what comes of it there? But the pitching talent, I think, is real, and it, it's a, it, it's been a reminder to me that they've had nice arms. You know, the, the guys who are all healthy and pitching well now are all guys that we thought were going to be dudes at some point. Ryan Hagano and Zach Lee and Darren Williams and you know, on and on and on. They've just, it feels like they've always had 75% of those guys healthy at any given time. And so it's been a struggle and now they're, they're pretty healthy on the mound. And so I think right now that's, yeah, their ERAs below three as a team and, and they've played some behind Vanderbilt, obviously they might've played the second toughest schedule, at least non-conference of, of anybody in the conference. Cause they played Southern Illinois. They played Indiana state. Those are good, you know, right Missouri state. Valley teams. Right. Mm-hmm. They played right state. I mean, so it's Indiana. So it's a good schedule and, and they've handled it really well. I'll tell you that another thing I take away from the SEC right now is, you know, I think I, I was excited for Alabama to not get swept. That would have been a real gut punch for Alabama to go from almost winning a series at Florida to getting swept. That was on the menu and they fought that off because now you look at it and, you know, I think Mississippi State this is danger that we all saw coming or at least as a possibility. But I mean, we've got Tennessee, Georgia and Auburn all sitting at 0 and three in the league right now. Now, again, I, in 2017, Florida started 0 and three in the sec and won the national title. So we know that, you know, obviously old miss, we've talked about them being seven and 14. Um, you know, that that's one of the great stories in the history of our sport, but it is spooky to be 0-3. One of the things, boys, that I think, and I'm going to transition us to the, uh, I'm going to segue us, if you will, to the ACC with this. There just is this dichotomy in college baseball where you have teams that are old. I think about Missouri and Kentucky have oldness. They have experience. And then you have some high-end teams that can get, them, get their hands on really high-profile freshmen. And these 23-year-olds are taking these 18- and 19-year-olds to task. And that's what happened in the Florida State-Boston College Series. Two fifth-year senior Division three transfers beat, you know, so Florida State's got 18 freshmen on the roster. Um, so go ahead, Fitzy, if you, if you want to comment on that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're, I think you're exactly right, Runes. And that's one, one thing that, like, like Oregon State to me is an interesting case because I think they've got a pretty young team. And, you know, I was, I was talking about this with one of our longtime readers today, actually. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it feels like he's like, well, you know, in 2007, like we made this, we made this run, like, it, you know, it could happen, you know, Ole Miss last year. And I was like, that's true. It can happen. But the difference is like the 07 Beavers and the 22 Rebels had old players, like really good quality veteran guys who just, you know, they didn't have great, the team didn't have a great year for a while, but then they flipped the switch. But like, I think having that experience really matters having old guys really matters and if you're a team that you know that doesn't have that um if if you're trying to learn and and, and with freshmen you know on the fly right now in college baseball with all these still covid veterans right like fifth sixth in jaron williams's case seventh eighth year guys how long has that guy been there nine years now like you know he's, (laughs) he's you know there's some grown men in college baseball right now uh and then and with the transfer stuff i mean like you can just you know like look what Arkansas did. Like they've, they've had to remake their lineup completely after losing a boatload of guys. And boy, they did a great job. You know, they hit on guys in the portal and it, all of a sudden it's like, you know, 
they didn't skip a beat. They're just out there beating people up offensively. And that was an offense that we were skeptical of maybe a little bit heading into the year. So uh, I, I just think it's so hard right now to do what UCLA is doing, right? Mm-hmm. What UCLA is doing last year, they, 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 they bring in this elite freshman class and they have to wait for those guys to develop. And, and they had, you know, they held their own last year against older teams uh, and made a regional. And now they're like, this is rare. What, the, what UCLA is doing is the exception, not the norm anymore. And it's just su- super impressive. I'm all over the place tonight, Rubens. I'm just bouncing around. I like around. it. I like yeah, it. You know, the other, t- the other team, that, uh, while we're talking about, you know, older players in key spots, I mean, you know, one of the things we talked so much about in the offseason was South Carolina going kind of the A&M route, going, going against some older guys who maybe necessarily didn't have amazing numbers the last stop, but guys that have a lot of experience, a lot of at-bats. And, you know, whether it's on the mound or at the plate, like on the mound, they've got two seniors in the weekend rotation. Uh, you look at their, you know, their offensive, you know, production, Braylon Wimmer, Ga- you know, Gavin Costas of Andy kickback. I mean, who would have thought Gavin Costas would be, you know, had 12 bombs and 26 RBIs right now. And so, you know, they're another team that's got a lot of older guys. And, and by the way, they've got a freshman in Ethan Petrie who's got nine bombs. I, actually, I'm kind of curious, Aaron, like, did you see that kind of potential out of Petrie in the fall? Yeah. Like yeah, 458, I, nine homers? Well, okay, maybe not 458, <laughs> nine homers. Five, five weeks, I thought you but predicted like, that. I mean, I, I saw him hit a bomb in the fall, yeah. actually. Like, And I was like, he's a big, strong man. Like, you could tell. Yeah. They, they were excited about him. They loved his, his future. But, yeah, I mean, he's – I didn't maybe think his bat was quite as polished as it appears to be. Yeah, They're, I mean, crazy. you know, they, they really did a great job hitting on what they needed to hit on. Uh, and, and credit – you know, that coaching staff, they recognize like we have a window right now with these arms, mm-hmm. everybody coming back from injury and the guys returning. Like we have got to to go after it this year, go all out in the portal and, and bring in these, you know, older pieces that can just make us competitive and more physical. And, you know, the proofs of the pudding, like they're hitting a ton of home runs. Love it. Hey, boys, let's let's put a cap on the ACC for a second. I just want to I want to finish the sure. thought. But, you know, Joe, you said something with Hale State. Mississippi State and Kentucky that I think very much applies to Boston College and Florida State. I I had one of those games and it was Boston College was absolutely the worst team Florida State could play right now. Florida State, Cam Smith is hurt. Diamez Ross is hurt in center field. So, uh, you know, McGuire Holbrook, Holbrook, yeah, is hurt. So they're, you know, they had to move DeAndre Zasadis to um, or Nander DeSatis to to Diamas Ross, Nander DeSatis, combine them, and what do you have? Um, and so, you know, he had to play third base, and it was not comfortable. You know, they're just – and Boston College is a team that it's not sexy, but they will catch the ball when hit to them. They – you know, Jamie Arnold blew their doors in with one pitch first time through the order, but they're not going to let you beat them with one pitch second time through the order, and they got them out of there very quickly. And so I just – you know, Florida State, guys, as as we think this coaching staff is super special, but with 18 freshmen on that roster and injuries and a very thin pitching staff, I'm telling you, their ability to break the all-time regional streak record with 45 this year is an absolute jeopardy right now. I am really, really nervous about that team. I, I think I think Link figures it out. and But the, the key is, well, so what's what's the deal with Crowell, first of all? Um, I mean, you know, you mentioned runes that they, they basically, he didn't recover well from starting last week. And, yes. and, and so he missed the weekend, right? Yep. Yeah. And I, I think they were, at first I thought they were just trying to find the right spot for him on the weekend and they just couldn't find that spot for him. 
But, um, you know, and BC was loaded up for Sunday, right? They had John West and Henry Leak ready to rock. So, um, and they took quick control of that game and never really gave Link and Chuck Rostano a chance to find, I mean, you're basically putting Crowell into down four. It's like, it doesn't even make sense at that point. So, um, yeah, but, but the, yeah, the, what you said, Fitzy, is like he didn't recover well. And that's a, that's a season breaker. They have to have Wyatt Crowell. Yeah, that, that's huge. I mean, ultimately, the bottom line is, is they need to maximize what they get from Montgomery, Baumeister, and, and, and Crowell. Like, those are the three most talented arms on that staff. And Montgomery was not good this weekend, right? Didn't he have a short outing? He didn't pitch. Didn't um, they? They they ixnade his start. You know, oh, it's been it. so bad in Game Three that they, you know, he's just, you know, just what you think. He's super talented. Shows you pitches that are just flashes of brilliance, but it's just just a lot of self inflicted damage, getting in bad counts and um, giving up a lot of damage. Oh, he gave up. He he did pitch on, uh, in the finale. He gave up. Uh, he didn't get out of the third inning. So did he start or did he pitch in relief? The box score I'm looking at says he started two. Oh two wow! Thirds. Okay, there you know. go. Yeah, and that's been that's been him all year. Like really not getting into even the second third of the game. Yeah. And and that's a problem. I mean, that's you know mm-hmm. they've got to figure out how to maximize what they get out of their, their three most talented arms. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, and it doesn't seem like I mean Crowell's been really good when he's pitched, but like they got to figure out you know the role and make sure they keep him healthy. And that's that's an issue. Kendall and and Joe, what? So two other results in the ACC, and then we'll keep moving. Miami sits there at five and one like that's a very interesting record and club and then nc state finding a way to win that crazy game three against virginia that seems like a very interesting result but feel feel free to comment on either of those or take us somewhere else in the acc if you like i'll be real quick on this one i think the the team that really stood out to me over the weekend was virginia you know last Mm -hmm. week in the pod i think aaron made the the you know, point that like, hey, like let, let's see how Virginia's pitching, is particularly their starting pitching, what they do, you know, moving forward. And over the weekend, like Nick Parker gave them gave them five solid innings. I think Brian Edgington gave them six and a third. They shut down an NC State lineup that certainly is pretty potent. So, like, if, you know, you're to the point now where it's kind of like, hey, like maybe we should believe in this weekend rotation. Like they're certainly proving themselves right now. And I have a I have a natural tendency to be skeptical of. Yeah, the the pitchability right hander as a power conference weekend starter. It's one thing to be a pitchability left hander, right. we've seen those guys succeed. But like, if you're like an 88 to 90, you know, maybe 90, 91, even like Edgington, you know, kind of stock righty. How many of those guys really sustain success as a Friday or Saturday night guy in the ACC or SEC? I mean, I feel like I feel like it's rare, and so. Give credit yeah. to them. They've pitched awesome so far. They just shut, you know, they just beat a really good offensive team. Like NC State can swing the bats. Um, I mean, I did like what I saw from Edgington uh, last weekend. I think it was at a Duke. Uh, who could say? It seems like forever ago. But like he, he can pitch. He was not a Duke. It was at UNC. <laughs> uh, he can pitch. He's got a splitter. He's got a, a, a you know, good, good enough feel for the, the slider. And, and, and it's 1991. Um, that, that's fine. But like, I'm, st- I'm still not 100% sold in that rotation, but I do love the position player group, and, and it feels like right now it's working. You know, we'll see. I can't wait for you impressed with Miami for a couple reasons, just the first of which is that there are Miami teams in the past that this would have been an opportunity to kind of face plant, right? They come off a pretty good series win against NC State. You're feeling pretty, pretty good about them, and um, they just kind of come out flat. Now, they've been at home, and that helps. They Miami famously mm-hmm. plays – so much better at home than they do on the road. That's one of the teams that I, 
I most associate with home field advantage and, and playing well in the friendly confines. But I, but I also came impressed with the way they were able to win different games, right? I mean, they, they went a four to three game to start that series. And that's not a game that I would necessarily think would be overly comfortable for Miami. But then the next couple of days, they, they won it with offense. And that might have to kind of be what this team does. You know, having CJ Kafus have the kind of weekend that he had over the weekend certainly helps. Um, but if they can win games like that, I think they, they'll they'll be all right because we, we talked about it. We don't need to, to totally go over it again. But there are questions on the mound uh, for Miami moving forward and how much of a contender they truly are at the top of the ACC, I think, will be determined by that. But when these games get a little high scoring, they've showed you that they can do it. And the, the little icing on the cake was to be able to pull out a, a four to three game that, that honestly, you know, again, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought of it as their bread and butter and, and they pulled it off. So uh, Virginia Tech, meanwhile, but hard team to figure um, they've clearly got some issues to work out on the mound, but um, I, you know, again, like I like the position player group uh, questions on the mound, but I, I thought there'd be some level of certainty on the mound because they're, I like their front end guys, uh, but it just hasn't necessarily all come together for them. Tough start. Boy, that looks are they, are they fascinating. Trouble? Go ahead, Fitzy. Are they in trouble, Joe? I mean, you, you know, you, you're very familiar with that club. Like, what's what's your read on on their chances at this point? One in five in the league, twelve and seven overall. Like, not what we were expecting. No, I mean, the, the positive, I guess, if you want to look at the the optimistic view of it, is that no one in the eight. Like, you, you look at the SEC. If you're one in five in the SEC, good luck, right? I mean, that's a tough hole to climb out of. The ACC. Now, I say that as we just came off Boston College winning a, a big series, but I just think there's opportunities in the ACC to kind of climb back out, not only because it's slightly softer, not much, but slightly softer, but also because I think we just kind of see that in the ACC more often, right? It seems like not last year so much, but the previous two years, Duke went on a crazy run at the end of the year. NC State famously went on a run at the end of 2020. UVA. Virginia. Virginia went on a run. Right. So we just see this every year in the ACC. And, and I, I'm not really smart enough to – fully explain why that tends to happen but we do get at least one or two of these teams every year in this league and I don't see any reason why it can't be Virginia Tech they're just gonna have to get better on the mound I mean Drew Hackenberg's ERA is almost five Griffin Green's is over seven all the guys that I really like in their bullpen whether it's Higgins or Herney you know off to slow starts they're, they're just gonna have to figure something out there because the, the position player group is good enough to win basically any series in the ACC Love it. And if you're an ACC hitter, you don't want those Virginia Tech pitchers to get on it. And along those lines, let me tell you about a new sponsor that we have, Blast Baseball. Hitters, if you're ready to dominate at the plate, Blast Baseball is trusted by more MLB and college teams than any other hitting solution. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Go to blastmotion.com, enter the code D1Baseball at checkout to save $10. And again, no offense to the Virginia Tech pitchers, but keep those boys down. Get your get your blast sensor and make that five ERA a ten, Joe Healy. No, you know, like I don't I don't mean to pile on right now, but blast sensor's not here to 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 uh, you know deal with <laughs> pitchers' feelings. They're there to pile on. So there you go. But we are excited. Blast sensors. That's a, that's a cool deal. Another cool sponsor for us, which we're pumped about. Boys, let's go to the Big Twelve. Um, you know, Oklahoma and TCU is somewhat interesting texas tech oklahoma state was i mean thanks a lot big 12 like the series of the year in march like now what are we supposed to do you guys should see my poor cracked bleeding knuckles after having to spend a weekend in lubbock (laughs) and the wind and the dry like we we get this series in like april you know when the weather's 
a little more reliable. Uh, but Do you, you think know it what? snuck up on the schedulers, Fitzy? They didn't see maybe, a good maybe, Texas maybe Tech Oklahoma State yeah, series they, coming. They, they, they really you know, I'm I couldn't believe. Um, for some reason it didn't occur to me that Texas Tech has dominated this series to the degree that they have in recent Ooh. years. Like they have, they haven't lost a series of Oklahoma State since 2016. Um, they've now that includes the Super Regional Series too. That's right, and they've won. Is, is it 17 of the last 20? Something like that. I mean, it's it's some it's some crazy. Uh, I think it was 15 to 17. So I think it's now 16 of the last. I don't know, 19. They've they've dominated. They've dominated this thing, and. It's weird because, like, I feel like the games are always competitive. That super regional yeah. edition was super competitive. Like, all those games were on the Razor's edge. Uh, and this weekend was weird because, like, Oklahoma State should have won the first game. They're up seven to one. They kind of imploded. They played uncharacteristically bad defense. They're actually a good defensive team. They were feeling like 985 or 96 heading into Friday, and they made four errors and lost the game on a misplayed, you know, fly ball which was not because of the wind. Like the wind was actually calm. <laughs> he just, you know, freshman who was a, who's a stud, Nolan Schubert, like giving credit. This guy's awesome. He's a surefire mm-hmm. superstar. He overran the ball. It happens. Uh, but like, you know, their defense crushed them in that game. They come back and play a great game on Saturday, like dominating all, all facets. They get great pitching, great defense, and, you know, really good at bats. And then Sunday, Texas tech runs them out of the building. You know, it was, uh, it was fascinating. And I, you know, I walked away from this thinking, frankly, like, these teams are, are both really good. I'm, I'm not actually soured on, on Oklahoma State. Yeah. As long as Jerron Watts-Brown can stay healthy, uh, the fact that they had to push him back two days this week because he didn't recover well, that's always a little bit of a concern, but he looked fine. I mean, you know, he was 91, 93, really good secondary stuff. I mean, and they whacked him. <laughs> they whacked him. He got apparently, you know, the, the Texas Tech players were saying he got a little predictable with leaning on the, the slider and, you know, the breaking ball. Um, he's got two distinct breaking balls and he was kind of, you know, they, they kind of figured out his patterns. Like he trusts those pitches more than he trusts his fastball and they sat on them and they, and they hit him, you know, and, and, uh, Texas Tech's got some real hitters. I wrote about this today in my column. Uh, it's a lot of new faces, freshmen and transfers and Juco guys that are all good. They just really mm-hmm. did a great job reloading and the future looks super bright there, but so does the present. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think Texas Tech has maybe the elite frontline horses, on the mound that, that maybe we've seen from them in the past. There's no, you know, Stephen Gingry or, or well, I mean, you know, uh, Molina, the lefty is really good. He can, he can really pitch. I, I like him a lot, but like, maybe it's not the kind of, they're not going to match up with a, you know, yeah. with an LSU, you know, and uh, they, they well, even like that. Molina is not as dominant as Gingry was. No, you're right. His stuff's not as good. He's not as dominant, but, mm-hmm. uh, but they've got depth. And, and one thing is like, you know, they can run a lot of lefties at you, you know, and they're just a lot of guys that have some deception and some funk and pitchability and, you know, a good breaking pitch or whatever it is. Uh, and, and they've got some, you know, righty slider guys that just like, here it is, like try and hit it and, and you can't. I mean, they're, it, it's, they're going to mix and match a lot, I think, pretty effectively. I, I like the depth of their staff. I just don't know what to make of Oklahoma State, boys. Like, I just don't, you know, like they've been to nine straight regionals, which is the fifth best streak in our sport right now. Um, but I just, you know, I, I, I catch myself just making excuses for Oklahoma State. Like, oh, they, you know, they keep running into injuries. Oh, they keep getting these really tough draws in the postseason. And I I don't, you know, like, I don't know. I, I'm maybe, you know, if it looks like a fish and talks like a fish, it's a fish right now. You know, like 
Texas Tech's domination of them, Fitzy, it's such a it's a quandary because you're right. Like all of these games, like that super regional they played in 2019, it's one of the best super regionals in history. It was three games decided by a total of four runs, but in fact, Texas Tech won that super regional, like they win every series with Oklahoma State. So I just I I don't. It's early, and Oklahoma State's teams always get better, but at some point, I I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm really confused by Oklahoma State, I guess is the best I, way to I say I will it. say this. Uh, when I saw Oklahoma State opening weekend, they didn't play great. What I saw was a team with a really good offense, but outside of that, that did not look like a national championship contending team to me. And one the, weekend – pitching you didn't like? Yeah, I just thought the pitching was just average. I just – it just didn't do a lot for me. So, I, I just think Oklahoma State's one of those programs. It's a really good program. I don't think it's an elite program. Like they're they're always lacking something. Uh, Jansen Kiesel, did he even pitch this weekend, Fitzy? Did not, and I don't. I did not ask about that. Maybe just been, he's not been good. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing yeah, that's sure. it. Yeah, ZRA was over six. Yeah, but uh, you know, but here's the thing: is like they've actually got a, a legitimate, bona fide Friday night guy with Friday night guy stuff in Jerome West mm-hmm. Brown. Like it's, I know yeah. you know. Hey, Texas Tech beat him. Like tip your cap. He's he's a he's a guy. You know, which there aren't a ton of those guys out there. So. You know, you, you take that first of all, uh, uh, the, the kid from St. John's Hendry, um, he was Brian good on Henry, Friday. Yeah. yeah. Brian Hendry's good. You know I mean? It's like that, that plays, that's like better stuff than anybody in Virginia's weekend rotation has, you know um, it, it's, I think they've got enough on the mound. I think between Mc, Nolan McLean and, and, and the, 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 you know, the, the kid Stevens, Isaac Stevens is, is like mm, 90, 92 touch 94 from a sidearm slot. It's, nasty man like it's real stuff and he had you know, he was the, the big 12 era leader heading into this series like they they've got they've got a couple of guys like who are real dudes in the bullpen who have elite stuff and then they've got some you know like a drew blake type that or gabe davis these young arms that they that i think are, have really bright futures gabe davis was up 96 this weekend um i do i think they do have enough on the mound it's just a matter of kind of developing those guys they just need more experience in my opinion and that'll come over the course of the year and runes you mentioned it josh holiday's teams always seem to peak down the stretch every single year like clockwork yep yeah it's going to be interesting hey boys the pac-12 let's let's just touch on the pac-12 really quickly and then we'll do a a non-power for you know result that piqued our interest you know stanford just kind of handled oregon state this weekend you mentioned it fitzy oregon state they're just so young positionally and they're just they're really hurting for offense right now. I mean, they are just not hitting, they're not scoring. You know, they got three hit in a Sunday game where Stanford's pitching hasn't, you know, it's it's been there's been some fits and starts in Stanford's pitching, but um, you know, UCLA sweeping Arizona, I didn't have that on my bingo card. Um, you know, after I felt like their their series against Oregon, they looked a little bit vulnerable. Um, yeah, what give me give me a takeaway from the Pac-12 right now. Can I get – I'll go real quick. I mean, USC stands out to me, guys. I mean, this is a program that, frankly, if you were just going to go off the of stats, you look at their stats and go, man, they, like, wait, they're 4-2 and two in the pack. Like, they're not overly impressive stats, but what they've done uh, is they, you know, won a series against Stanford. You know, they, they scored, what, 14 runs the final two games that series. They go on the road and, and took a series from Cal. And, guys, all of a sudden, we look at SC – I mean, they got Washington State at home this weekend, which Wazoo lost a series to, to Oregon over the weekend. Their bullpen was not very good in the final game of that series. They got Washington State at home. They go to Utah. Then they step out of conference for a week. So, I mean, USC has a potential here 
to win its first four conference series. And if the Trojans do that, like they put themselves in a very decent position to actually make the postseason. So I think for me, what Stanky's been able to do at USC so far is, is pretty impressive. Like they've already got a marquee series win. 16 wins in that league is just right there for the taking if you're a team that can play clean no and doubt. get better. And 16 and 14 in that league is, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be on the, the chart for the committee, right? Like that's, that's, they can't just discard a 16 and 14 Pac-12 team. So how about you, Joe? Something in the pack that stood out to you. I think it's, you know, UCLA over Arizona. And I think we, well, I'll just throw myself in it. I have probably not done a good enough job um, evaluating UCLA as the, the team that they can be. I guess I'll put it this way is that, I mean, that recruiting class going into last season was so good, right? I mean, I don't, I was not here at D1 baseball, but I know it at my previous stop, we ranked it number one and just a lot like dude after dude after dude. And you know, not all that class ended up sticking there, a couple transferred, whatever, but that chorus is, is still there. And that was a team that was good, not great last season. They had some high highs, but they had some low lows. And you kind of expect that with a team that was as young as they, they are. And so if you just tell me just on its face, I'm not going to tell you what the team is. I'm not going to tell you what they have specifically, but it's a team that comfortably made a regional last year at times kind of toy with the idea of maybe they could host maybe, but never really fell from being a at large quality team that had arguably the number one recruiting class going into last season. And then they're going to come into this year and basically have all of those key pieces back not all of them, but a good portion of them. Like I'd go, okay, well, that's a team that's probably in the mix to, to win the conference title or win a national title. And I just feel like we haven't really talked about UCLA that way. And there are some valid reasons for that. We had questions about the offense or the, you know, specifically the physicality of the offense. And, and that's fair. But I just, I do think, again, just pointing the finger at myself, I've not done a good job of, of giving them their due as, hey, look, this is a team that's really really talented we were pretty quick to anoint stanford for some good reasons but i think ucla has shown that they're they're right there yeah fair enough fitzy anything on the pack before we move on to the 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 non-power four i totally agree with joe and you know i feel like an idiot runes because i think like you i i uh i just made a gut call pick on arizona to win that series in the road and yeah thanks for coming out boys yeah um my picks torched i think it's clear at this point to me that there's a clear top tier in, in, in the Pac-12, and there are two teams in it, and you know, Stanford and UCLA, and then it's everybody else. Um, I, I, I do think that it's, it's obvious that Washington is much improved. Washington State's much improved. USC, as Kendall mentioned, for sure. Um, but like, it feels like all of those other teams are just going to be jostling for position behind the top two. I, I still believe in Stanford. I know that maybe there's some questions people yeah. have about their pitching. Um, I still absolutely believe in Stanford and UCLA. I think those are the two two teams out west uh, in, in the pack that are really just head and shoulders above everybody else. Oregon was one that I, heading into the season I was intrigued by, and I just a really weird team to get a handle on. Like they've just been streaky uh, as all get out through the first five weeks, and um, right now it seems like their their offense is starting to heat up and, and show what we expected it to be heading into the year. But maybe their pitching is going backwards. But they won that series against Washington State, which had been an upstart. Um, it just feels like this is going to be one of those years where all those other teams just kind of eat each other. And you wonder if that hurts everybody's chances when it comes time for at large bids. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead Kendall, you go first. No, I was going to say really quickly, you know, Washington actually goes to UCLA this weekend. Like Jason Kelly's club has been better this year, 
Uh, they really haven't been tested to a great degree. But, I mean, if you look at their pitching staff right now, like Kiefer Lord and Stu Fleslin, like, are off to a great start. I mean, they've got 68 combined strikeouts uh, and 13 or 12 uh, combined walks. And so those two guys have gotten off to a great start and gives them a fighting chance against UCLA in the road. That That's a series this weekend, guys, that I think I circle because this is a chance for, for J.K. to kind of make, you know, his, his first big statement there in Seattle. Yep. I will say this boy, Stanford, you know, I, I'm very nervous about their pitching, but you know, yeah. they, they just, their roster is so much more talented than everybody else's that you get nervous about their pitching. They threw Drew Dowd in the bullpen. He figured he, he excelled in that role. You know, Nick Dugan and Matt Scott are really talented young arms that you know, just the, the depth of the talent is so ridiculous. Tommy Troy and Drew Bowser did play this weekend. So I think, I think your points will take in that third place is there for the taking in that league. And that's a really good position. You know, like that's a, that's a position that has um, prominence. Let's go to, let's go to, well, not, Oh, go ahead. Fitzy. One last thought. I was on Stanford. I was, I was talking with uh, our boy, Wes Clements this weekend who, who did that series for um, I think he did all three of those games for ESPN, but uh, or the PAC 12, whoever it was uh, he was saying, Matt Scott, you just mentioned him. That's the guy. Yeah. He said, he thinks as a freshman, he could wind up being the best, you know, best starter in their staff, which yep. is interesting to me. Yeah. Hey, so let me, I'm going to start us with UTSA. They held Florida. They swept Florida Atlantic at home. Patrick Hallmark Hallmark is, you know, that this is a coaching name. People got to know. I I'm going to scold myself. Like you scolded yourself, Joe. Like I need to learn more about UTSA. They barely made, they barely missed regionals last year. And here they are off to the, they held Florida Atlantic, which is a very good offensive team to seven runs over the course of the weekend. I think of UTSA as a hit first program, but, you know, I'm just kind of guessing a little bit there. I, I need that. I'm, I'm scolding myself. I need to dig in on them. Like the Roadrunners seem to be for real. That's a loud sweep. Florida Atlantic, John McCormick's teams just don't show up and get shut down offensively like that. So that's the one that jumped out at me. Um, but yeah, Kendall, what, what's, what's a, a non-Power 5 result that jumped out at you last weekend? I'm going to go with Texas State over Southern Miss. I mean, you know, I thought for me – like Southern Miss had no excuse to lose the series when you consider the Texas State didn't have Zeke Wood because the Texas State they've got nice arms, but really like if you don't have Zeke Wood and all you have is Levi Wells for the weekend in rotation, like that's a series you should win if you're Southern Miss. But give the Bobcats a lot of credit. This is a team that obviously when I saw them last week in CCU, I really, really liked their offense. And even without Zeke, uh, I mean they got it done. They won two or three from USM in their first ever. Sunbelt, uh, you know, series, and now they get him back. It well, it sounds like they get him back for Coastal this coming weekend. So I, I thought that told me a lot about Texas State that even without one of their big guns on the mound, they could still be a quality club. Granted, UCM's USM scuffling a little bit, but uh, that told me a lot about Texas State, I believe. And Kendall, you talked about this, I think, off air, but circle that series at Texas State uh, against Coastal Carolina. Is that this mm-hmm. weekend? That's this coming weekend. Yeah, fascinating one because because Coastal's been good, um, also you know, and, and that it just the league is, I don't know, it's it's going to be it's just going to be a, a death match. And it's just like every yeah. weekend, it seems going to really it's, it's going to be fun to watch. What's crazy about the Sun Belt is like we kind of made this point last week, but like they still continue to have like five to six teams that you look at on paper and go like I can legitimately see every single one of those teams being in the postseason. So we'll see if that continues. Nope. I mean, it's it's it quickly, and then uh, and in Faroons, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and do mine. But Please, quick yeah, point sure. that quick point that this is more for the nerd cast, but I think something to think about is that the Sun Belt has kind of maybe 
moved up into its own class in terms of league now. And I think in a world where the American is down, like, right? I mean, the American's been a, a one, maybe two-bid league. And then you look five years ago and it's like a four-bid league, right? The Big Ten the last couple of years has been down. They were four or five bids and now they, they've been two or three. And last year very easily could have been a one-bid league. You know, um, Conference USA, because of the realignment, might be a little bit down this year. I think it's still a pretty good league, but they might get a, not get as many bids. And so in a world where you've got all these typically two, three, four bid leagues getting closer to two, there is kind of this like power vacuum that I think the Sun Belt might be able to move into a little bit. So if it sounds nuts that Kendall's talking about five or six teams in position, I don't think they'll get six. But could the Sun Belt be like a five bid league? I, I think absolutely. When you consider some of the other pieces on the chessboard that are kind of moving around. So something point, to kind of, it's a great kind of point. one. It's, it's, it, I mean, cause you're right. I mean, all those other leagues, it, it does feel like uh, there, there's, you know, there's been a lot of drop off. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's strange. Cause it really felt like the big 10 was on the ascent. And then now it kind of feels like I was looking at today. It's like, yeah, could, could see it being a three bid league. Maybe like if there yeah. certain things break, right. But I mean, like, it doesn't feel like, they're they're going to be in the conversation for five again anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's what it's worth mentioning too. Granted, you know, we'll be the first to say RPI doesn't mean a ton right now, but the, you know the RPI comes out daily now on our site, and the Sun Belt actually has like five teams in the top fifty-eight right now. Texas State's ninety-two. You expect that to go up, but it, I mean, for the Sun Belt to have five teams in that range uh, at this point in the season, that's pretty good. It, it kind of feels like it's the it's the Power Four. Then the Sun Belt, then Conference USA, yes. then the Big Ten. Because USA right now is not looking great. I mean, Law Tech and Charlotte have just been okay. Yeah, Although I think we said that in the chat today, but I, st- I still have conviction that 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 Woody and and Lane Burroughs will get those two teams going at some point. And and you know, big win series series win for Charlotte this weekend. By the way, on that on that note, they took yeah. two out of three from Law Tech. One of the other leagues that used to kind of fill in some of those bids, of course, is, is the Big West. And that kind of segues to, to my series. Cal State sure. Fullerton took two or three from UC Irvine. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, I am the furthest thing. Like, their runes could tell you a whole lot more about Fullerton. But all I'm saying is that so far this year, they've played Stanford pretty good. They played Michigan pretty good. They, you know, um, played Texas well. They've, you know, won series. They just won the series of UC Irvine. Like, I'm not saying it's all the way back. Like it's clearly not all the way back, but I mean, we've kind of been looking for Cal state Fullerton to kind of see the Oasis in the desert. And it, it feels like we might be in the early stages of them find starting to find their way anyway. Well, they did win the Texas series. They did. They, they won the Texas play. Well, they won it. I'll be honest. I was looking at the little score sheet and it, I forgot they won that series. So I wasn't believing that it said they won the series. I thought maybe yeah. that was a typo, but yeah, they won that series. So I, again, like, not all the way back, but I mean, that's, I mean, this is their eight and eight previous versions of Fullerton would be, you know, four and 12 in that 16 games. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really getting better and who knows what it means in the end, but that's, a, I think that's a good thing for college baseball to have that brand on the way back. Yep. Amen. Uh, Fitz, you got a non-power for it. Uh, thing that stood out to you. Go for it. Yeah. How about uh, really I mean, kind of like we talked about the big 12 having their big showdown series right out of the shoot. How about the A-Sun? Right out of the shoot, you get FGCU and Liberty. Yeah. Um, kind of the two teams. And and I, I got a I, – hey, mea culpa here, guys. Our man Walt V did the uh, A-Sun preview. And when he submitted it, I'm just going to, I'm just gonna you know, reveal how the sausage was made here. He picked Transparency. F, he picked FGCU to win the league. And me, being the uh, 
the know-all editor that I am, I said, no, <laughs> no we're going to go with Liberty here. Liberty's the team. Um, and we'll see. Maybe it's still Liberty. But I, I overruled. I made an executive decision on poor Walt. And FGCU takes two out of three this weekend from the Flames. Granted, it was, it was down in Fort Myers. But uh, FGCU can rake, guys. And we yeah. knew they would. It was just a matter of would they have enough arms. But, boy, uh, Joe Kinker. I think he's now the all-time leading home run hitter in that program. He's, he, I don't know he was closing in on that record. Uh, off to a great start. Alejandro Figueredo, uh, Brian Ellis, feel like he's been there producing forever. All those guys are, are, are doing it again. You know, um, Edric Felix, the, the second baseman, put up huge numbers. I mean, this is a really scary offensive team. And, and you know, if they can just be kind of competent on the mound, um, which so far so good, you know, they, they – Hey, they've got a nice resume, you know, series win at Florida state, obviously um, was kind of the, the key for them to get into the top 25 last week. They swept Troy in that two week, two game midweek series sitting here at 16 and four. And it feels like this team is dangerous. It's kind of like the, what was that? That, that five slam a jammer or whatever the, the basketball team, like it's just dunking on everybody in the NCAA. Yeah. But no, it was, it was the year, it was the year FGCU. Basketball oh yeah. The, the dunk. Uh, yeah. They had dunk, dunk was in, what was dunk. it? Dunk City? Yeah. Is that what it was? Anyway, yeah. maybe this is that v- v- version of that because it's like they're going to just bash people. Like th- this is going to be a team that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Maybe a team that you don't want in your regional uh, when it comes down to it because their firepower is real, I think. One, on the mound for them, I mean, one of the guys who's come around is Mason Miller, and that's a guy who was I, – I, I'm not going to profess to know FGCU recruiting history, but I have to imagine they've – haven't had a lot of recruits better than him coming in. I mean, he was a, mm-hmm. a big time name and it took him a while. He was pretty raw, but he's, he's starting to come around and he's, he's gotta be one of the better arms in, in the a sun. So they've got some bullets to fire on the mound, but it's, I mean, it's a super old offensive club. I mean, it fits the, to circle back to the discussion kind of at the top of the show, like they fit into central casting of like old mid major who you just yep. don't want to see. And if you're a super talented young power five program in a regional, like that's just kind of like a nightmare scenario. And, and if I may follow up on that point, Joe, somebody asked in the chat today, like, Oh, like the big West. I mean, they can't compete with the sec. The gap just keeps getting wider and wider and talent wise, facilities wise, resource wise. <clears throat> is, is it over for the big West basically? And my thought was like, well, it kind of feels like the recipe forward is, is the same as it has always been, which is, you know, when you've got old teams, with highly skilled players, guys that play great defense, guys that can execute, you know, the inside game and handle the bat and pound the zone and command their off speed and their fastballs. Like there are still going to be those big West teams, you know, with those, all these California kids who grew up playing the game all year round, their whole lives that are, you know, when, when they have their window, when they've got their older teams, they're still going to go out and win some super regionals against some SEC teams. They're not going to be able to out talent those teams, but like, the recipe is still there. And that's, I think the same for, for everyone in every mid-major in college baseball. If you've got an old team, you know, I mean, that's really, you got to take advantage of those windows. You got to, you got to cash in on those. Yep. Skill over thrill boys. Uh, let, let's wrap it right there. I'll tell you the one, the, the other thing I wanted to mention, just to expound on NC state for a second. You know, we know that the, in today's college baseball and at large bid can be one game. Like for NC State and Ole Miss last year, one game was the difference between one team in, one team's out. And I, I think about NC State this past weekend where they are up two to one in game three against Virginia. And Kyle Teal and Jake Geloff hit these backbreaking home runs to take a 4 2 lead. And NC State, they're just one and five in the league at that point. 
and they come back and score three in the bottom of the ninth, and they're not one and five, they're two and four, like those little things that intestinal fortitude can save your season. So, man, now that we're in conference play, you just get these incredibly compelling results. Um, let, let's say thanks again to our friends at S2 Cognition and Blast Baseball. Really, really pleased to have them as partners. Um, want to encourage everyone, get on the website, get your subscription, type in save 23, get 20% off at checkout. There's so much great stuff from the advanced stats to the articles to the recaps. My daily digest from, uh, you know, from Friday evening. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of award that will win, but certainly it'll win some award, Fitzy. I don't know. What, 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 what am I up for? Anything? I think it's going to get you snipped. You're going to get your, your next up for the Wilbur, Wilbur Snip Award after that uh, digest. <laughs> get me snipped. You, you get, you, I lost my breath for a second there. Goodness gracious. <laughs> it didn't sound like an award. It sounded, sounded like it was not a good piece. Oh, goodness. Um but that's it. We're going to do our weekend preview this week on Wednesday. Um, we, we are, it is go time and, and hopefully coach Rooney will not get snipped between now and then. Uh, that is it. Everyone have a great week. We'll catch you next time on the D one baseball podcast. <laughs>